Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with Nancy and Lisa. Every third Thursday, we get to chat with Lee Brovadani, who is known as the Trust Architect. She's a speaker, a workshop facilitator on trust, and she's regarded as one of the top thought leaders of trust by the organization called Trust Across America. She's also the author of Trust Me, Restore Belief and Confidence in an Uncertain World, and the book Trusted, Secret Lessons from an Inspired Leader. So I encourage you to go to her website, thetrustarchitect.biz. She's on our our show every third Thursday, like I said. And um, the interesting thing is the world of trust and leadership has also guided her to become a certified death doula. So we're going to talk about fear today because fear Mm -hmm. is all around us. We get fearful when uh, it's election time. There's fear now with, you know, uh, major storms across the country, around the world. There's fear with layoffs in business. But fear, when it comes right down to the root core of it, um, we can get past that. And when we think about the passing of someone, we're scared uh, for ourselves because we're going to lose someone we love. But also, if you're in the shoes knowing that it's your time to go to your next step, that can be scary too. So we're going to kind of talk a little bit about fear in personal and professional lives and also in leadership. So welcome back to the show, Lee. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good to see you and Nancy, Lisa and Nancy. I should say I was because I'm looking at Lisa and I realized the way the screen set up, I can see both of you, which is oh, isn't that cool? That's cool. We're in the the and I can see you, Nancy. I can see Bobby. I can see Billy. It's romper room. I know, no, just but it's it's good to see you. And hey, we're in Georgia right now, recording this while we're in Georgia, and you're in Georgia, so that's pretty cool. You're not too far from us, but um, yeah, and we got I to see each other when you were in Savannah, which was just I a know. treat. And we got to fun. have margaritas. We did, we did, yes, we did. Yeah, but not too many. We were good though. But um, I do. I'm excited about this topic of fear because I think that is a root cause of so many things for people to not move forward in their life professionally, mm-hmm. personally, maybe too scared to, you know, take that leap with, a, with someone they loved in a relationship. And then, yes, when it comes to death. So I think it's interesting uh, you going into the world of becoming a death doula because that really is the epitome of trust is being there for yeah. someone on their next journey. And that, so I think that's a, it's an interesting conversation we're going to have as we always do, but I want to give people your website for that too, which is souljourneydoula.com and that's D-O-U-L-A. I had to learn how to spell that uh, just recently (laughs) because I just, you know, I didn't know, but now I know. So you've already taught me something (laughs) to spell doula. You know, one of the things when we first started, and I think it's good to revisit, is that like my definition of trust is the ability to be vulnerable based upon positive expectations Mm -hmm. about someone else's or another company's behavior. So like that positive expectations. And if you're fearful, you don't have those positive expectations. Mm -hmm. So people have said, well, the opposite of trust is distrust. And I said, it's really not. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes the opposite mm-hmm. of trust is fear, because if you're, if you are fearful about another person's behavior, you're not fully trusting. Mm. And but a lot of times, it, sorry, what's that, Nance? I was going to say, but isn't it like you, 
down deep, you don't trust yourself to handle what might, what you think might happen. Oh, absolutely. At the heart mm-hmm. of trust mm-hmm. is your ability to trust your own judgment and your yeah. own ability to trust. Because if I don't trust myself, then how can I trust my anyone judgment on, on, you know, like whether or not I can trust other people and you meet those people who don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the heart of it is that they don't really trust their own ability to be able to figure out who is trustworthy and who isn't. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me because um, when you look at leadership, right. And trust is a big part of leadership as we always talk about in um, right now, you're looking at so many layoffs happening in, in major companies. Yeah. And it, we're really in the shift. And when there's change like that, change and fear go hand in hand, right? Do yes. I trust myself to be able to go get another job? And then as a leader, are you already, maybe everything's fine in the company, but as a leader, are you invoking uh, fear into your employees? Are you using that in your team as, as a motivator? So if you're if you run on fear, and using fear, like if you don't do this, you're going to get fired. Well, that's not exciting. You didn't motivate me. You, I, well, now I'll watch what I want to say. Here we go again. But if you mm-hmm. use, you know, a different technique, then people are going to be excited to do something, right? It goes down to mm-hmm. what's in your yeah. heart and soul. But if you're using fear as a way to get things done, that never works. I yeah. I think yeah. And what happens is if you've got those employees, Um, worse than having someone quit is having someone quit and still be working. And by that, I mean, if you've got someone who in their mind have said, I'm out of here, but I'm going to stay and catch a paycheck until I buy something else. Oh, yeah. Getting the best of them. In fact, you may be getting sabotaged by them without realizing it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, so customers and all kinds of things. And yeah, and and being cancerous, that will breed cancer within the whole team. You know, oh, and the, coffee everyone room is, the coffee room is the best place for people like that, where they spread that venom. Yeah. Or they get a big, I mean, there's people I know in life where suddenly they've left, you know, a position that you were in shock, like what? And then you'll find out that all the other people you were working with them, they all walked. And when yeah, you hear that, you time. know, something Something's happened. Up. And, it, and I hate to say it, but you actually hear a lot of that. Yes. in big corporations but in nonprofits, i see that a lot happening oh, which is really? weird okay. yeah and it's I, weird I, I haven't done as much work with nonprofits, so yeah well it is well, still it, a business it, you know yeah it, it absolutely it's, yeah but it's a business with um oh how can i say it like it's here we are the we're doing good right and that means that you should be nice people but we're still just people. And so there's a conflict. Yes. Like what you would do in a normal business, like business is known to be cutthroat. So it's okay if you're cutthroat, but when you work for a nonprofit, it's not okay. So you have to change your personality sometimes depending on how, you know, it'd be very duplicious. Yeah. 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 So they get a little, You know, we're we're at um, a, a condo. I'm living in Savannah right now, and I've never had experience with HOA before. And oh. what we're seeing oh. is that you know people do this and they volunteer, and they and, and what I've 
what my observation is the people who have volunteered are doing the best that they can. And there was one person in the whole complex who started introducing how we should be fearful of this one person that they, you know, and she was, she would just insert all kind of innuendo. This person is doing this and this person is doing this. And, you know, mm -hmm. you're not, your, your money is going to be going away. And she, she really introduced fear mm -hmm. into the whole, how this other person operated until people mistrusted him. And one person was able to get two good people's reputation I, I won't say it ruined it because there's enough people who know them, but was enough to get them to to quit and just wow. leave, leave the position. So, you know, um, one of the people said that, you know, mm. there's this whole thing. It takes a lifetime to build trust and only a moment for it to be destroyed. Mm. I don't agree with that. And most of the people yeah. in trust don't. But what is true is that it can take a lifetime to build up a reputation. Mm -hmm. and a minute sure. and and what one of the fellows had said was it takes months to build a house but a mm -hmm. good fire can destroy it in a couple of hours mm -hmm. that's right and yeah. so you know like trust is built up over time and if you really built up trust then you can put out that fire mm -hmm. And you can, yeah. you can, you know, but you have to be willing to confront your own fear and you have to be willing to, be, you know, I've had people who have said things about me. Mm -hmm. I think we all have. And you have to, I used to think, oh, well, everybody knows who I am and everybody knows my integrity. It's just not true. What you have to, what you have to do is you have to communicate and you have to be able to be willing to go out there and confront the rumors and talk and say, okay, mm. here's what was said. Let's let's look at that and confront the person who is saying all the the, the crap. Yeah. So. Well, this is where gossip it's, is really dangerous. Well, yeah. It, well, and and that stemmed from two things: insecurity is the first one. The other, the person who started is always very insecure, and then there's that the side where they've lost their reasoning and yeah. the ability to speak in in a kind and and thoughtful educated way they're now just doing pure emotion and that's yeah, never the a good thing that was destroying all these reputations i didn't see them as insecure i saw them oh. as yeah. um, power hungry oh for what reason? Yeah, I don't know. But but that's the same thing. It, it's yeah. the same. It's the same thing because power hungry means I need more. I need more. I need more. Why? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think I it's can the see same that. thing. Yeah, yeah well, that's because, like I have. Well, they have no real intent um, that is bigger than themselves, right? It's it's that's just a that's almost and, an and addiction. That's fear. It's fear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you have something that you're doing at the core that, you know, I remember a conversation we had with you priorly where we were talking about uh, maybe you're doing a job that isn't like your dream job, but you need to do the job, but find mm -hmm. something there that motivates you that you're doing something to help somebody. Like we were talking about, maybe you're in real estate and we don't like real estate, but 
hey, you're helping maybe the first time person find their dream home. So yeah. And that's where, you know, the power hungry don't get, well, no, there's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it goes with that ego thing too, you know? Yeah. And I think that's where overinflated egos come from is that fear. Yeah. Well. The, thing is, the fear if is, you're, if you're going to build your ego on money, we will crash and burn. Well, this person I think is also narcissistic. So, yeah. you know, it, it's kind oh, of Do you want a list of people? We can put it up. We'll start our own gossip. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, like, I like that word narcissistic. I, I like that guy who looks in the pond and goes, oh, I'm so handsome. You yeah. know, and I just think it's really kind of funny. I mean, it's an age old fable. You know, he looks in the pond and he sees his reflection and oh, wow, look at me. And too bad somebody didn't just kick his backside and let him fall in. Yeah. I'm just going to hear Carly Simon singing forever now. You're so vain. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah it's, it's the yacht song it started yacht rock but, but yeah, yeah the, the thing with this too is um I mean, when you think about fear when we look at our lives and go into the personal side and and maybe it's a job like we were saying that could you oh i better really look at what i can do and understand sometimes i think we have to take a take stock of who we are like we have to sit down as individuals and not just have the the crazy talk in our heads because that's easy. That yeah. that's the negative, you know, stuff, the monkey mind chatter. But really take stock of what you do have on a positive mode. You know, what do we have? What can we yes, do? Yes, I agree. Yeah. And and I think that if we're worried about layoffs, if we're worried about change, and you know, all these different things, it's better to start taking say, okay, what do I have, and what can I do? What am I able to do? And how far can mm -hmm. I stretch myself to go further? You know. So even if I'm at this level here, well, maybe I'm going to have to go learn something new and do something better. So doesn't that same thing apply to someone knowing it's, you know, I'm, I'm on my way to my next space. I'm going to beam up now. You know, it's, it's coming, it's time. Because when someone is um, ready to pass on, there's also... The fear is also on the family and the loved ones. And then there's the people that the, the yeah. narcissist greedy people come out of the woodwork too. So it's like, there's that weird thing true. that happens. And so when someone's ready to move on, they may not be ready, but they kind of have to take stock of, yeah, you know. And, you know, as a, as a death duel or end of life duel, however they want to say, someone, you know, I think when we were having the last conversation, um, you said, what's one word that would describe what you do? And I said, alive, because until a person makes that journey, they are alive. And so I'm mm -hmm. dealing with people who are alive and mm -hmm. they want to control how their passing is. And I worked with, um, when I was, when I was mm -hmm. being certified, there's a, a process called um, best three months. And so you, you, you give the scenario that at this moment, the two of you are given a diagnosis that exactly where you are, you're not hit by a bus, it's exactly where you are, you're given the diagnosis that you have three months to live. And how do you mm. want to live those three months? Mm. And so we go through five realms. So um, how do you mentally want to, to feel? How do you physically, how do you emotionally, how do you um, um, practically, like, I'm missing one. Anyways, um, you go through all of the five domains. They're on the website Soul Journey Doula, 
And we look at exactly how they want to spend that time. So a death doula helps them prepare for that, first of all. And then how do you want your physical environment? You know, 95% of people say that they want to be at home mm. in their bed, surrounded by their loved ones when they pass. And I think oh. it's like less than 20% of people are at home. Most people are in a hospital or a hospice or a, a nursing home. Oh. So it, it's the same as if, if you were having a baby and you said, yeah, I want to have the baby at home. And someone said, well, what have you done to prepare for it? And they say, oh, nothing. Well, the baby's going to come anyways. You would look at them like they were crazy. Okay, they say, can you clean your kitchen table off, please? Oh, oh. So it's the same. Like you want to make sure that the room is set up, that, you know, if you need medication, that you've got someone. As a death doula, I don't administer any of the, the drugs for pain, for example. But what I can do is I can make sure that the person who administers it is there. I might not set up the bed, but I can make sure that we hire and make sure that you've got the proper bed if if you need a special one. And if you want to be in front of the window, I can make sure that your bed is put in front of there. There's so many practical aspects. And then if there's, you know, weird Uncle George who always says the inappropriate thing and you've never really liked him and he wants to come and cry by your bedside and you're going heck no Hmm. I can very tactfully say you know they're sleeping right now or this isn't a good time and 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 Hmm. redirect them so that those last moments are as peaceful as possible Hmm. so everything die outside if you wanted to be outside like in a absolutely make sure that you're you're taken outside and then Someone said spiritually, like if you want a priest there, if you want anything, I said, I want all of them. Like I want to cover all the bases. I would want a shaman and a Wiccan and a priest and a Buddhist. And like, I want them to all visit me and all bless me. Only kind of joking. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a lot. That's a lot of people. But but that, but doesn't that also come from a little bit of fear? Like what if when on the other side, so how many people, how much of, um, when you go back to the the fear, like you know, the other side Absolutely. of wherever we go, there's people who believe, oh, we're just in the dirt. That's it. You know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, we're done. Yeah. And you know, I don't really believe that. I I get down the rabbit hole of watching these near life death experience things. These people coming up and talking about it, and yeah, hear, you know, nurses and doctors hear about it all the time and witness yeah. it, and even Dr. Jackie, uh, the cardiologist, they see and she's heard stories and. Um, Mm-hmm. there's a 72 hour period when someone crosses that's very interesting and and sometimes yeah. they don't go all the way but when you're a death doula, my colleagues got... sorry go, go ahead. ahead oh I was no, gonna no. say one of my colleagues Hannah um was was um the death doula for a fellow who absolutely loved bears and he had bear pictures on his walls he kind of lived in a cabin that was um cool. out towards the edge of the woods and so his family was all there and when he passed, a black bear came up onto the deck oh, and cool. stood at the, the window cool. and stood yeah. there for five minutes just looking in and then lumbered mm-hmm. off. And That's she said wild. they were laughing and crying and, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so there's. That, you gave me goosebumps. Yeah. I talk, you know, and when like everybody has an experience and it doesn't happen all the time, 
Um, one of my really good friends is um, um, a hospice nurse. And so she's witnessed over 200 deaths. Wow. And she said that some of them have those kind of occurrences that are just so magical, but not everyone does. So it's not like every single time it happens. But, you know, like you, what you're taught and what I've been taught is prepare yourself for the unexpected. Hell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going, you're going to burn in hell or you're going to, and that, that kind of stuff that I, I, I you know, that. even hear that in, in religions and sorry, you know, everybody's got their different really beliefs, but this that. whole thing, like you're going to burn in hell, like, you know, don't kiss the boy when you're, you know, underage, you're going to go to hell kind of thing. I think that is instilled fear in us in so many ways, that kind of teaching. I mean, so it goes down to emotional intelligence too, right? And when, when you think you're, okay, we're going to pass now, there's a fear factor of, oh my God, you can't, you don't, you can't even take baggage with you. You can't even pack a suitcase, you know, you're not, you, don't you, need you know, one. yeah. I, I mean, it's like, you're not having to worry about all of that, but then you are, you want things set up for people, but at the same time, the fear of death is an extremely real thing. Like you can't mm -hmm. fight it. It's, if it's coming, it's coming and it's coming for all of us, yeah. you know, but, but not um, everybody is fearsome, fearsome. Yeah. I not think that some, wrong something is can. fearful. Not everybody yeah. is fearful. And hopefully yeah. as a death doula, what part of our work is, is bringing peace to people. And as much as possible, you know, you you know, you can't promise that someone is going to go saying, oh, this is lovely and everything. But what I have heard from enough people and what I experienced myself when I was with my dad was there was a huge amount of peace and that there is just this it, it's it's quite amazing that I was terrified of being with him when he died. And what I discovered was that it was actually quite beautiful and very peaceful and, and you could feel this different presence in the room. And so what my hope is, is that you give that sense of peace and hopefulness to everyone who's passing so that they don't go into it full of fear. That they right, trust because that. that's, yeah, it's, it's hard for people to see someone pass and move on. And the people that I know have, who've gone through that have all said, actually, it's quite beautiful. And pe pe there's a release kind of thing. Yeah. But there is a fear of seeing a, a body that is no longer part of this plane. You know, a dead yeah. body freaks people out. And that's a scary thing. And it's because we also don't know how our reaction is going to be unless we try and train ourselves or, you know, community. You know what I mean? So I think if we don't deal with things, that's when fear is the biggest issue you know you've both had a lot of pets and so we talked about mm -hmm. this kind of before we got on on camera and on mic we've talked oh. about our pets that have gone and mm -hmm. we held athena our, our last dog mm -hmm. and we had two dogs we had athena and booker and we made sure that booker was with us as well when athena got her shot because it was the right thing to do and it was time mm -hmm. and he kind of you know went and sniffed her and then there was probably a week or two weeks that he went to her spot where she usually would lie mm. and he would lie there and you could tell that he was a little depressed and then yeah. he used to fight her for the toys 
And when she died, I went up and I tried to give him one of her toys and he would have nothing to do with it. He just looked at it and turned his head. It was like, that's hers. I'm not going to take it from her. So we had to throw them away. So animals instinctively know how to, to deal with a lot of it. And the other thing that I've learned is grief is like love and both of them never end. And so you let people know that if this person that's part of my work is to work with the people who are left is that you're going to grieve mm -hmm. and it's going to come up at unexpected times. But mm -hmm. while the person is in the act of dying phase, there are no rules. If you want to get up and lie next to them on the bed, get up and lie next to them mm -hmm. on the bed. If you yeah. want to listen to a certain kind of music, put the music on. If you want to have different flowers in the room, have the flowers, like decorate the space and make it a sacred place. We do a lot of work with essential oils if the mm. person wants them so mm. that we do rituals and we can, you know, um, bless this, bless this mind that has seen so many sights and bless these eyes and bless, you know, like we'll go through all kinds of rituals to make it easier for the person to realize that they have had a purpose mm. and they've been here and it's okay to leave. That's because they need closure too, not just their yeah. friends and family and loved ones. Yeah. You know, and I think bring the people yeah. involved so that they can they can be part of the ritual too. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing when you don't know, like if someone's missing and you never know if they've really, you know, they you need some kind of closure of something when someone's yeah, yeah. you know been missing or something and you don't like missing an action kind of thing. You yeah. always have that in the back of your head: or they're really here or they're not. You know, there's that. Um, thing but then there's also you know like you know um an ex-boyfriend passed away um we were very very close but our lives were two different chalk and cheese and when he passed away it was very unbelievable and it was it's still weird like we could do a whole show just on weird stuff um yeah on that kind of thing like we just you know um we don't know if his wife killed him or not but anyway oh, that's terrible uh, I didn't say that no it, it just was a very it was a very traumatic thing on how he passed and um it's weird because when someone's passed then you have it was like oh the communication is back we can talk because we couldn't really talk once you know but we were always really like family like you know he was like a son to Nancy you know so it was a very um, interesting thing i think things change for people it's like okay you're free now now we can all you know talk we can talk now you're somewhere else but we can talk you know what i mean yeah. it's a very well, i think people I go through that you, all over the I, world i talk to you this is weird i've lost a lot of people but the two people i always talk to is my grandmother nana and my brother ricky my brother was shot he was murdered by an employee that came as it was a it was a huge shock to everybody, and it that anyway. And Nana lived a nice, full, happy life. Not always happy, but for a long, long time. And they're always together. You know, like I always talk to them. They're always together, and that makes me feel good. Like when you do go on that you're not going to be alone yeah and you know so it yeah 
Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with it, but but the, it's a yeah. communication. Do you think as a death yeah. doula, do you help people when someone has gone unexpectedly on that yeah. flip side? Mm. Because I think there's fear in that for a family. Like, yeah, you know, certainly is is giving them, you know, and that that again, like rituals are so rich as mm. far as being able to help someone deal with some of the grief. And sometimes it's a matter of if they haven't had an opportunity and the person has gone suddenly, then having the ritual of being able to say goodbye mm -hmm. and have those moments where you, you light the candles and you have whatever, you know, artifacts. Like when my, when my dad died, I asked my mom for the hat that he always wore when he was working on his, mm -hmm. he would get this hat that he'd wear. And he, if he went to work on his, his truck, he put the hat on and his fingers were always greasy. So the brim of the hat has kind of got these, his print fingerprints. Yeah. And for me, cool. having that in mm. being able to have that hat with the grease stains, exactly as he used to wear it, for me, gave me a lot of um, comfort. And yeah. so for, for someone who has had lost a person unexpectedly, it could be that they listen to this music all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know some people who have said, you know, like they, um, when, when Rick's step-grandmother died, who, and she was such a character, his cousin and I were at her place and she used to smoke these horrible cigarettes and she used to drink, um, it was like a martini. And oh, wow. so we went out on her, patio with these horrible cigarettes and lit them up and had a drink and then told Yvonne stories like she was this larger than life and that was something that gave both of us comfort because at the end of it we were laughing we were laughing yeah. about some of the things that she did and and she would do when she was smoking it would be like well darling <laughs> oh that's funny and that's so, so we were mimicking cool. her and that's taking so a drink funny. and going, how could she do all oh, this is gross. And, and the cigarette Joan Crawford. That's Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford. Yeah, that's exactly. <clears throat> so have your that's own ritual. Funny. It could be something like going for a walk in the woods. It could be mm -hmm. whatever brings you mm. peace and closure and talk to them. Mm. See, I know that's it. The talking to them. Well, you know, I, I talk, so there you go, but then go figure. But I was going to say what, what's interesting about the rituals that you, you talk about too, is going back to the professional life, right? And yeah. business rituals help you get past the nerves, the fear. And, you know, you know, I've done a lot of sales in my life, um, you know, marketing, advertising. And I remember one day I, I really had I I was like I have these really big meetings and it was a full day of meetings a full day of travel and the meetings were big and I was like okay I'd like the suit on and now no one's will ever see me in a suit again it's done it's burned um but you know I'm in that outfit and had to get up early but of course the night before I'm like ah so I always turn to visualization as part of a ritual and I would envision exactly what was going to happen and go through all the things that could be, could go wrong or, you know, and good. <clears throat> so I could handle them appropriately. And so driving does that for me. 
So that day, this is the craziest day. I got up real early. I had to drive through Joshua Tree National Park to get down to San Diego where I was and every going to do all these meetings and in different towns too. And, you know, so you're on the road and it's sunrise and a car had veered off and, and there's no cell coverage and a car had veered off into the park, into the desert. And so I stopped and um, it was a man, a woman and a child. Oh, wow. And um, I said, oh, here. And I, I had water and peanuts and whatever, because that was like my way to eat, you know, made sure they had that. And so I, you know, we didn't have anything. So she stayed there with the kid because it's on a main road still. So someone could come through. And I took him in the car to the ranger's office, which was down the other side of the park. And he gets in and he looks at me, he goes, you're putting a black man in your car. I said, yeah, it's okay. I said, just don't do anything to me. Cause if you do, I'll kill you. You know. <laughs> well, I did. And um, but I took him there and I, I gave him everything I could to get them through. Cause it's a long day, especially with a kid, you know, <clears throat> dropped him off at the ranger office, went on. And I was like, well, that's something you didn't get in your ritual. But I went right back to my ritual. I knew like, okay, help is on the way for those people. It was the highest sales day I've ever had in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And things, you know, catapulted. There was wrong, right, wrong, right. I mean, big, fancy presentation kind of thing all the way down to a small, like, little winery to it. I can't even tell you, like, that was the crazy. My cell phone stopped working. Like all kinds of weird things happen, but I stuck to my visualization and I was Is okay. Is that what you feel helped the success? Absolutely. Because you get oh. nervous, you know, yeah. like I was one of those people you wouldn't believe, like I'd go to a business meeting and, you know, everybody says who they are, what they do. Here's your, your 60 seconds of an elevator speech. And I'd be shaking in nerves, like totally. I mean, this is when I was way in my twenties, you know, early twenties and, and so I mean, I've been doing this ago. business, what, since I was 17 for her, but, you know, so always having to be in the adult circle. And so you're always intimidated and as a woman in some places too, and I'd get nervous, I'd start, you know, so you just out of nerves, sheer stage fright. When, when we did music as a singer, I could sing my heart out. I could do like, just wail. But if I speak to the audience, not happening. Interesting. Isn't and that I didn't wild? know that That's about weird. you. Like, I knew you were involved in the music, but I always, from what you had said, I always thought you were in behind the scenes because you mm. talked about being able to um, make sure all of the sound mm -hmm. levels were right and make sure like, you know, playing the, the, the instruments and things. I didn't know you sang too. Like you're multi oh, No, she's a huge, really, really good blues singer. Oh, thanks, Nancy. Cool. Now, so she when is. did we get to hear that? <laughs> yeah, Lisa. I'll, I'll send you something. There's one terrible okay. recording of me in the world, but um, I'll send it to you. But, but no, but that, but that's that fear thing, and you have to work through it. And and that's when you said the rituals. I was like, well, that really kind of works. In all, you have yeah, to face so the, the monster or visualization or whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just huh. another way, you know. Yeah. And then part of it is to help the person who is passing because most people want to feel like they made a difference on this planet. So if yes, I'm going to yeah. leave, how did I make a difference? And it can be something like leaving a legacy for your kids. So I had one woman who said, well, I've got, it was like 40 VHS tapes of um, family pictures I've done. And, and I'd like to leave, I'd like to leave a video 
for for my kids. And I said, okay, so how how many minutes of recording is on each tape? And she said, oh, I think there's probably about four hours. And I said, okay, so you'd have to watch all four hours. And how many tapes are there? And there was like 50 tapes. I said, so four hours times 50 tapes is 200 hours. And it would take you and so I just like some sometimes the work that you're doing as a doula is helping people realize that what they want to do isn't maybe possible in a way that they can. And I said, so 200 hours and now you would have to decide what hmm. every single thing, what you wanted out of those 200 hours and what goes where I said, wow. that sounds like a, a, a something that would take years to do Mm. is there something else that you can do for each of them and she said I could put together a book of pictures okay that we can do yeah that's whatever it is that you want to leave as a legacy project um I want you know for anyone who's listening to think of what is what kind of a legacy do you want to leave and it could be that you know for some people they say well I left my child a house that's my legacy okay if that if if that works for you, that's great. For someone else, it might be a picture book. For someone else, it might be sending a letter, you know, and that's very popular, writing a personal letter to all of the people that you've loved. So there's there's so much involved. And you're right, you have to get over the fear for these people. You have to say you still have control until you can no longer breathe. Mm-hmm. You are still here. You're still alive. Mm. yeah it's I think um there's a lot of people I know that work on their legacy um kind of past their retirement like they still have their foot in their business but then they're trying to leave a legacy I mean we were actually just having this conversation yesterday Nancy and I about you know some friends and what they're doing and it's really admirable and it's selfless but it's like okay we know it you know as we get to this certain age you know to start looking at that and um, right. not wait until you're given, you know, 30 days, you know, yeah. it's, it's something to do. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, that goes back to that intent in what you're doing in your professional world. See how we can balance professional mm-hmm. work and, and, and death. It's quite interesting. And don't let work kill you. That's another thing. Just say, yeah. don't let it kill <laughs> you either. But, but people do work on their legacy and what do they want there? I mean, honestly, if you're a business owner or a, a manage in management or, you know, what is the, and, or working for a company, are you proud of the people you're working for? And I think that's why we have a lot of walkouts. Are you, you know what I mean? There's, are you, are, is your company doing something that's everlasting? Yeah. You don't need to be a nonprofit to have a legacy. And we're and seeing oh, and you can do change the, now can with, do, with business too. You can do things in the right way. Mm-hmm. whether you're a nonprofit or not you can do business yeah. in an admirable honest way yeah. without putting corners and drafting people basically when people pass yeah. on you know their professional life is a huge part of their legacy yeah i yeah. wrote an obituary for a friend and he had done i mean this obituary got longer and longer and i'm like holy crap what am i gonna do you know but he really had done so much and it was to the point of putting press releases in newspapers around the world so people would know what he had done and and that he had passed you know as a notification but to honor all of this these people that he knew around the world and um 
so what you've done in your professional footstep does become part of your life legacy, I think. So can I ask both of you, what, what is it that you want people to say about you? That we really promoted protecting land to save the land. So, like you wanted about protecting the land. And, and the yeah, animals. And the animals, yeah. The okay. wildlife. That's why we do the tour. Mm -hmm. I love your parks tour is all about documenting so that and also so people can see what was there if it goes away. And oh, also yeah. no, so that it's left for the people coming beyond us, you know? Like we're not supposed to come here and destroy everything and we're the be all end all and, and be too bad for the rest of you. We're supposed to leave it in a better condition than we found it. That's what our job is in my mind. Yeah. In my mind. And that includes the wildlife and the plants and the air. And the you know, we don't need to extract every mineral we ever find so we can have another mm -hmm. piece of plastic that's floating in the ocean and clogging up somebody else's man, you got our star source. <laughs> well, no, yeah. seriously, we need to consciously look at what we do. Yeah, absolutely. I did a hike um, through T Torres del Pine in Chile. Mm. Oh my gosh, it's five years ago now, four or five years ago now. And I remember hiking up and I'd love to go back and, and do it. But I stopped. And at one point I said, um, I need to fill my water bottle. Can you can you tell me where I fill it? And he pointed to the stream next to us and he said, just go to the stream and fill it up. The water was still so pure that mm, I was able nice. to go fill it and That's drink nice. from it. And I didn't get sick and I didn't carry any bugs home. And That's I remember being a little girl going out on a picnic with my um, aunt and uncle and all of my cousins and being able to go to the stream and fill up a pitcher. And we had Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. Like Kool but now where my my aunt and uncle lived we could never do that again and yeah. i loved i love the fact that there are still places in the world that we can i can go fill up my water bottle and the water's pure and i'd like to get back to the point where the stream that i couldn't i i could when i was a child and can't go to now is pure enough that my granddaughter mm -hmm. will eventually yeah. be able to go back to that stream and take a drink of water absolutely and play in it it's can't yeah. animals can't play. Yeah. I mean, the harmful algal blooms are in, in not just the ocean, mm -hmm. and they're yeah. in streams and rivers. And how many times do we go to places and see, you know, don't touch, don't drink the water, don't touch it? And then I'm going, but there's alligators and they're dying now because of this. You know what I mean? It's funny. They're, what it's about funny. the fish? What about the animals? What about yeah. the birds that think that they could land here next year? They have to find a yeah. new place. So to us, that, that is a legacy. The ones yeah, with the brains. We think animals are beneath us. Animals and plants are beneath us, but we're the ones who have the all-knowing. We have such big brains that we just messed everything up. We can't. We yeah. can't live without them, but they sure as hell can live without us. How about can that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and happier. So, happier. what is your legacy? Um, interesting. I, I I hope that what people say about me is that um, I help them find more kindness grace and trust in the world mm, that sounds nice. kind of i was gonna fun. say you hope people say that she helped me die <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Well, well, we have to Maybe I'm not that. hoping that people say, yeah, yeah, she helped me die, but I hope people say that I helped them um, Pass. find grace in their final hours. That might yeah, be something. Yeah, grace, grace is good. Grace is mm -hmm. something to not lose sight of. And I think we've kind of lost that in this world lately. Over the last few years, all the drama, the political nastiness, mm. oh, the hatred, gosh. the anger, the absolute yeah. two-year-old mentality that we have oh, and how we've started nuts. to treat each other. I think grace is yeah that is epic we need that back well, there's there was honesty honesty is good sorry i'm just honesty. laughing because just when you said that and it was such a lovely sentiment and then my dog usually sits next to me while i'm doing these interviews and he just did a really loud burp so i don't know if that came through on the that's mic. very grace oh, very graceful like but that. he's a boy dog he's allowed honest <laughs> Just honesty. Well, I think there's a lot of dignity in what you're doing, and uh, I think you. it's. I think this is a good chat, as always. We all we did. Yeah. Stick to fear, right? We did pretty good. We yeah, did good. yeah. We kept we coming back to it. Yeah. Yep. We circled around. So everyone, uh, keep up with Lee. Again, she is here every third Thursday on Big Blend Radio. Keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. Keep up with Lee and the trust work that she does. Go to the Trust Architect. Dot biz get her books and also go to souljourneydoula.com so thank you so much lee thank, thank you. you i'll see you when i get back all right okay, okay.